ain't a podcast that's flyer. You are now tuned in to Direct Misfire. Benson, you and Selick, tell everyone to tune in. Let's roll the dice, let me show you what we do win. A fantasy war game, play it smart and you win. What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution? Hero, hero, giants and knights galore. It's an adventure, this is Kings of War. Let's go. G'day champs and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. I'm your host Benson and joining me today as always is Selick. Hey hey. As well as Hugh. Howdy howdy. As we debrief and recap our thoughts and performances at the recent Convict 22 tournament. So pull up a seat, grab a drink and let's get into it. Alright fellas, so welcome back and on this lovely Sunday morning. Sun shining, clouds are non-existent. It's great to be stuck inside recording. Uh, so we recently attended Convict, which was a two-day tournament, like I said. And you can hear all about the details in the previous episode before this one. So did you both enjoy it? Yeah, had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was great fun. Um, I entered as the Gumby, so I didn't do a proper entrance, as it were. So I played uh, only a few of the games, but uh, still enjoyed the atmosphere and the vibe, hanging out with the lads and so forth. So it was good mm. fun. And uh, gee, it was a killer field though, wasn't it? I mean, mm. there was every sort of, all the best players in Kings of War in Australia pretty much were there and mm. very few newbies. So if anyone was a little bit green rocking up to that event, I felt like they were going to get pretty destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very top heavy tournament. Lot, lots of big players there. Yeah, it must be something about the two days is not as attractive to newer players or something like that. But um, Well, also, I mean, with Convict being seven games as well, like I don't think it, a newbie wants to sit there and sort of grind through seven games. Yeah, it kind of just attracts the hardcores with that format, I suppose, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, let's get this rolling so we're not chatting for too long. Okay, so we say this every time, but we're not going to go through a full play-by-play of our games. Uh, instead, we're just going to highlight some of the memorable moments of each game. Uh, before we get to that, how about we run through our lists? So, Selick, what did you bring day one? Sure, I'll run through my 1995 list first up. Uh, so, that was the Zombie Regiment. Uh, then I took a Wraith Troop with the Brew of Haste, just to give it that uh, speed 8. Then I took a death pack with fire oil, knowing that uh, there was going to be a fair bit of regening units around, and Soul Reaver Cav with Fury, really falling in love with that unit, despite it uh, not really performing that well for me. Uh, Zombie Trolls with uh, J Boots, took the Whites with the Blade of Slashing, Necromancer, took that with a, a fair bit of things actually, so I took it with the Inspiring Talisman, the Aura of Vicious for the Zombies, Bane Chant 2, and I took uh, something a little bit more unusual, so the Knowledgeable 1 upgrade, uh, then took the Veil of Shadows for the 3 dice Veil of Shadows, helps me out a fair bit, um, so yeah, that, that was pretty handy, and last of all, I took, uh, well, almost last of all, the Morgoth the Faceless, really like using him, uh, two Zombie Legions, one with the Spur of Strength, and one with the Hammer of Measured Force, and finally, the Gorblight all in that formation as well. So that uh, got me into 22 unit strength and 11 total units. Mm. Okay, and how about yourself, Hugh? Well, I brought the most powerful Ratkin list known to man, <laughs> uh, also known as some serious Gumby nonsense. Yeah, because that's right, you went a, a proper competitor you were there just as gumby helping out yeah i was just there if they had odd numbers to make it even so that no one had to have a mm. buy because um both tos that were um uh, organizing the event wanted to play in the event so uh, i thought why not go along and have like a bit of a silly time not take it seriously also like 
to to make it into a bit of a narrative, I guess, the last few events I've played in Kings of War, I found myself getting a bit, I suppose like jaded is one possible word for it, or, or like mm. a little cranky at my dice and a little bit like... A bit salty. Salty, yeah. Um, and that often didn't reflect to my opponent on the table. Sometimes it did probably, but sometimes it didn't. But overall, I was yeah, taking... sometimes that's hard to hide. <laughs> yeah, I felt like my enjoyment level, even when I was doing well, was being a little bit compromised by my like... I, I kind of cared a little bit too much about trying to win, if you know what I mean. And I didn't like yeah. that in myself. I wanted to dial it back a bit and be like, no, 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 no. This is a silly game of toy soldiers. Let's not get too emotional. And I'm, I'm probably exaggerating how um, intense it was because, well, you know, I'm not one of those guys really. But mm-hmm. I did want to just enter an event and play some of the games and have a good time. Idea being I'll just play whoever's on the bottom and I'll just you know, play a fun list and try to give them a good time and try to help out new players, get them into the game and make that my goal rather than trying to win the event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Gumby made sense to me, although there wasn't many new players, as I said, to actually kind of <laughs> <laughs> help uh, so, usher into the beautiful world of Kings of War. It was more like a... Even you at, just took a bad list. Yeah, even on the bottom <laughs> tables, it's just like, oh, I'm just playing a good player with a bad list. Okay, sure. <laughs> but it was still fun. So my Ratkin list was, I had a... Um, uh, day one, by the way, was 1995 points. For anyone who didn't listen to the last one, just a reminder that uh, we started with a 1995 on day one and it was 2,300 yep. on day two, as Selick said. Yep. That's it. So I had um, a Horde of Spear Warriors, a Regiment of Regular Warriors times two, a horde of shock troops with plague pots and heavy halberds uh, times two as well. So pretty standard core there. That's just kind of the models you've got. So nothing too exciting. Mm. Um, I've got a regiment of scurriers. Wanted to try those guys out. Been talking about how they're the worst <laughs> unit in the game for a while. So I thought, <laughs> why not throw them on the board and see how they go. Yep. Put it to practice, yep. Um, I had a troop of hack paws times two. I also don't take these guys very often. Um, and they were interesting little experiment just playing them in the troop rather than the regiment they're like uh, basically similar to goblin flea bag riders for those who know mm. like kind of chaffy mm. like have i've got a horde of nightmares again trying to experiment with those units i don't use very often we've got a horde of vermintide not a regiment but a horde would have been happy to take a legion but uh just didn't have enough bases of the little guys but we'll uh, get there yeah that was another experimental unit for a bit of funsies uh, we had a mutant rat fiend. Uh, we had a warlock with knowledgeable and host shadow beast. Ooh. Yeah, baby. Shadow beast 10. <laughs> and then, of course, we had two master scurriers. One with the gnome glass shield and one with the crystal pendant of retribution. Ooh. You need something to cast shadow beast on. So That's right. Uh, so the plan for the, the heroes in this in this army is pretty obvious. Try to get some dumb stuff to happen with the assassins, aka master scurriers. So... Uh, try to get in and blow up with a crystal pendant uh, with the gnome glass shield guy or you know either or really try to get into mm. individuals and then cast host shadow beast so they they start with four attacks and you double for duelist after casting host shadow beast so theoretically you can get 28 attacks mm-hmm. up to that's if you cast uh, all 10 which is obviously not going to happen but but somewhere in the like uh, high teens or 20s is very achievable uh, and just go, like, but you have to get them into combat with a individual first, of course, which is the hard bit. Now, I would have yes. taken more assassins, but that's all you're allowed at 1995. <laughs> so, looking forward to hear how that went. Uh, my day one list two rebel hordes, pretty bog standard, Luggett Regiment with a built in Morpop and Fire Royal, because it was five points. And 
that's basically the core. <laughs> then we've got two giants have gone with a goblin slasher and taken the rampage melee d3 for beast only aura. Give that a bit of a whirl. Ooh, yeah. Of course, we we got to have that uh, groany snark because people love to complain about that. Uh, we have the flagget with the loot. The wizard with the knowledgeable plus one and the host shadow beast to get shadow beast eight. It's not no ratkin ten shadow beast, but it's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on a mount with hex as well, just for the option of hex. Then we've got the Mugwins. They're the slightly more expensive chaff. Only comes in a regiment and it unlocks, which is the key point for me. Nice. We've got the formation as well. So that's the two regiments of Fleabag Riders. They both have built in more pups and there's the king that goes with it and he's just got a blade of reroll. Mm-hmm. And that's mine. 13 units at 21 unit strength. I like how you make use of the more pups uh, a little bit more than a lot of other goblin players I've seen, like mm. putting them on those units that try to hit harder. And it does make a big difference to just make sure that they kind of make their presence felt on that initial charge. Mm. Especially with the flea bags because they're low nerve, pretty middling defense. You need them to or deal as much damage on the charge in one round as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And if they break them, fantastic. If they don't, they're dead. So you have to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like they need to... They need to hit hard on the first times. You can't... Yeah, there's no second chances with those guys. Mm. But um, I also really like to see the Goblin Slasher. You don't see that very often. And when we did the Goblin Army review, I remember saying, you know, like, this is actually a good middling monster. I'm not really sure why I don't see more of them. Um, and it's got a hell of a model out now from from Mantic. Which, yeah, it looks great. Which you painted up for the event and got it's beautiful. I had a week to paint that one up and managed to pull it off. So. That's impressive actually because it is big. Mm. Yes, it's a, it's a bit of a chonker. I tried to press the Aura Rampage on the Slasher because of the way that the formation works. If I could get the Fleabag Riders, which has the Elite Aura because of the King nearby, and then you've got the slasher giving out an extra D3 on the smaller guys. You go from 14 to 15 to possibly 17, which also blast on sixes with the elite. And then the vicious, as I was trying to put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah. It, it did all right. It's quite the force amplifier. All of a sudden that like little unit and people are like, ah, flea baggers. I, I, I imagine some people at least would have seen the flea bag riders and been like, eh. No big deal. Sure, they're in a formation, they blow up or something, whatever. Yes. Yep. Then when you add all those different elements together, that unit's hitting like a bloody horde of race just about. Yep. And everyone gets really surprised and makes a no face when that happens. Um, also, the, the uh, Mugwins, they're beasts as well. So they've got 12 attacks and they're hitting on threes and they've got Vicious as well. And because the slashes nearby, they can go to 13 to 15 attacks potentially and they... Also put out a good number of uh, hits and damage. It, yeah, it's quite surprising what's, what can happen. Mm, absolutely. But enough of the lists. Let's get into the games. Selick, let's start off with you. So I actually got grudged first up. Uh, well, it was a mutual grudge. Uh, JP and I had been dodging each other in all of our local tournaments over the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a nice call out there to make sure that we played each other. And his goblins uh, looked absolutely fantastic. I think he ended up winning the uh, painting board as well. So uh, yeah, he had just a lot of trolls, a lot of uh, a lot of nerve that I had to try and get through in that 1995 list. It started out, and I think I'm actually accused of texting a couple of people and just calling the game nice and early. I was very, very uh, unlucky with some rock throwers that were coming across. I lost first turn. 
uh, and he landed three rocks on me first up and did a whole heap of wounds into my uh, cavalry unit. And I think they took like nine wounds or something in the first turn. But JP just didn't miss with those guys. He ended up, I think, hitting twice in turn two and uh, was absolutely devastating. It really forced me across the table really, really early or in a quicker way than I would want. Um, but yeah, managed to pull it back and I got a 17-4 win in round one. Sounds like quite the game. Yeah. <laughs> we do your first game, Hugh. Okay, so for my round one, I played my boy Ozzy from um, G-Town. He is also a proud Ratkin player. Uh, very obvious, obviously a man of discerning taste and intelligence because otherwise, why would he be playing the beautiful Ratkin? He was playing a fairly like powerful-looking, aggressive Ratkin list. Had Mother Kreiser in there, bunch of shock troops. I think it was three hordes, and you know, just a really aggressive kind of list, which probably worked well for the scenarios that we had on day one. And I was sort of just facing off against him with this sort of bit of a pelican uh, Ratkin <laughs> list. Uh, the astute among you would have noted that I have no inspiring Ooh. in my Gumby list, so it's mm-hmm. just all in all the time. Which was also an interesting experiment. Like, can you get away with no inspiring? Like, obviously, inspiring's great, but how often does it matter? I, I was finding in a lot of my games that, you know, my opponents would go in, smash my unit, result in like a double one, or it'd be like you needed 11 or 12 or something, you know? Like, mm-hmm. those times when inspiring is at its best, it's like, I need it, you need a eight, and they just roll an eight the first time and then re roll and get a five or something. And you're like, sweet, good to go. But, how often does that actually come up? Like, in our heads, is it more than it really is in reality? So that was one of my little experiments for the day. How about you let us know at the end of the tournament? Yeah, I'll let you know at the end. Was, <laughs> is inspiring worth? <laughs> Drum roll, please. So this one, um, the assassins managed to uh, take a charge. The one with the gnome glass shield stood and baited a big horde tr- of shock troops that were having to charge through cover with his gnome glass shield and he just held and took one damage Good on him. so he broke the shield but didn't even kill the assassin which was <laughs> a maze so that and if he had killed it it was a decent charge on his part like i think it was a mistake um in hindsight we talked about it after the game mm. but had he i see why i took it because if he broke him he would have gone through into the scurriers and then like it reformed into my flank and it would have been really mm. nasty for me but as it turned out gnome glass shield works for probably the first time and i've taken it in about 10 tournament games prior and it's never really worked so i was really happy to see it happen it wasn't just lightning yeah, off that's it they, no they just they either charge over him because he fluffs his attacks and doesn't hold them up or they yeah. just uh kill him anyway and i'm like oh great um but this time nailed it and then i counter charge them in the flank with a uh regiment of shock troops oh, before when i said i had two hordes i think it's actually two regiments so apologies yes two that. regiments yeah. i was trying regiments of uh shock troops with with plague pots and uh and the phalanx which is extremely inefficient use of points if you ask me but <laughs> they were surprisingly good that was probably one of my big takeaways is that regiments of shock troops not bad like the horde is still better but a couple of i think in a couple of my like more quote unquote try hard lists in the future i'll take a horde of shock troops and a couple of regiments or two hordes and a couple of regiments something like that mm-hmm. rather than just like always taking it in the horde i think there's actually definitely something there mm-hmm. so they were really useful in this game they took that uh, horde of shock troops out um, my little mini rats did super well as well taking um, a bunch of damage and holding this is the horde of vermin and this was the only game uh spoilers that uh the the horde of vermintide actually played better than a regiment i think in every other game you just like they might as well have been a regiment mm. but in this particular one they held where a regiment would have died and then got a flank and actually did some work 
So that was cool to see. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's something here. And then like by <laughs> by five or six games in, I was like, no, definitely no. not. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> nothing, definitely nothing here. Um, but yeah, the assassins, meant, uh, obviously that hero that took the charge from the shock troops and survived, he proceeded to kill all the shock troops, the whole horde. I mean, sure, he had help from a flanking uh, regiment of shock troops, but in his head, at least, he killed all the shock troops. Yep. Uh, he also killed a unit of warriors and he killed a warlock. <laughs> so, quite the game for that boy. He just like unleashed hell, uh, which was really super awesome. And the crystal pendant rat um, killed the vermintide and then shadow beast, 10 attacks total. So, Ooh, I kind of fluffed the nice. shadow beast roll. Uh, into a guy that was uh, a brute that was holding the objective. So this one was the loot tokens. Yep. So it was actually like quite a big one. It was a two-point objective, two-point looter. And he went into him with, I uh, did the shadow beast. I'm like, yes, I got to do my thing. And then um, he fluffed it and didn't kill that guy, <laughs> which was a bit sad. But I did force him into a circumstance where the brute and the warlord had to charge him because I had to make sure they got him off. And I'm like, well, he's going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> and he did and did two wounds to the warlord and three wounds to the brute with a crystal pendant. <laughs> which was a bit of a sad, Just, put, yeah. sad face. Didn't break either of them. It finally happens and that's what you get. Yeah, you actually, you don't get to roll to route, which is a real bummer with a crystal pendant. No, but you just yeah, hope to, to, you hope to do a heap of damage. And what happened on a couple of occasions, or at least the intention there, or the, the thought was, a shadow beast him in. He goes nuts, does a bit of damage. The unit, then even against like a regiment or horde, right? Mm. The horde or regiment charges him back. He blows up. The horde have heaps of damage on them, or the regiment have heaps of damage on them. Mm. And then the warlock just goes like lightning five. It's dead, hmm. kind of thing, like one damage or whatever. Yeah, uh, take it off. That was that was the kind of idea of like I'll trade this assassin for a unit. He's so many points that it's not even that good, but it <laughs> just it just seemed like a fun thing to do. But uh, it didn't really work out uh, once again here, as this assassin did completely fluff it. But the warlock did manage to finish uh, his food and kill that brute, make him drop the loot token. Mm. So there, there was something in it for him. And it kind of held up that whole flank. He had to back up with a horde of shock troops just to pick up the two-point loot instead of yep. pushing the other objectives. So he still got the loot token, but it was still really impactful on the game. And, mm. and it made me giggle. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Game one, happy days. Success. Great. <laughs> yeah. Actually won the game, believe it or not. Um, uh, got up in that game by a reasonable margin. I think it was four points of loot to two or something like that. Okay. But it was a bit of a dice rolly game, I have to say. Poor old Aussie fluffed a, a few key die rolls. And uh, yeah, my assassins like did really well. Even the one that fluffed it, like he really drew so much attention on that flank because because of like just pressuring the warlord and, and the, the other guy. This was like the, the game for them to shine. And I'm like thinking at the end of the game, I'm like... Are hordes of vermintide good? Uh, are, are, are assassins actually good? Have I been doing it wrong all along? It's a Da Vinci code. Yeah. You just found the secret. I know. And then, you know, for the rest of the games, uh, I'd see if that holds true or not. Mm. Well, okay. We'll go to my game one. So I was grudged by one of the Gronks who he made a crazy late road trip. Like they came down Friday night drove all night and like rocked up Saturday morning. I think they only had like an hour or two worth of sleep that, that Friday or so I guess Saturday morning. Yeah, and so that was a good start for me, I think, uh, <laughs> having him sleep deprived. <laughs> but uh, the thing was he, as part of this grudge, he decided to put a challenge because he'd already beaten, was it yourself or Selick? Yeah, it was me. He yeah. beat me yeah. uh, when we had a grudge round at CanCon. Yeah. So that was a good fun game. Uh, he 
played better than me and beat me in that game. But I didn't know that I was letting the team down, so this would end up turning into a Kakwa versus Direct Misfire affair. Yeah, so he'd go in for a second strike and challenged either myself or Selican, and collectively we agreed that I would volunteer as tribute right. and take up the cause. Mm-hmm. But if uh, if I did manage to pull it off and take the W, then he would record a little bit. So there was there was a bit on the line for us because I needed to retain the the podcast honor. Yeah, going into game one, so going into this game, uh, it was basically direct misfire zero, Kakwa one. Yep. So you had to defend it for the boys. Yep. Oh man, this game was way too close for my comfort. So <laughs> Kakwa has taken a Waterboy themed Brotherhood list, so it's just lots of elementals and knights with regen, and everything could heal and regen and whatnot. Hmm. And there was a lot of back and forth within the game. And it was in Kakwa's favor at the end of turn six. Like, I was coming into the turn six and thinking, all right, I have to have everything go my way to just bring it back to a draw. But it didn't work out. And, like, I tried to overrun a wizard to stand on a um, a token to pick it up at the end. And I didn't break the wizard. <laughs> so I was sitting there thinking, ah, oh, crap. Oh, no. <laughs> but then we rolled and a turn seven came up. Oh, <laughs> here we go. And then I was able to roll over that wizard, pick up the token, run away with everything else, and manage to snatch the victory out of Kakwa's hands. Ooh, he yeah. thought he had nice. it. Nice. No, you did it. Turn def- seven, it was way too close. You defended our honor, although it, it may have come down to a four plus, but I guess you mopped up in that last turn and had just enough time for the victory. He played really well. I think what happened for my downfalls in this game is Kakwa's got a bit of a mouth on him. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit too good at manipulating my moves, saying, how about you go charge this guy? I know you're good for it. And then I'd do it, and then I'd roll like a one and do nothing. <laughs> you can't uh, let him lure you in. It's no, a trap. I know. That's it's that's his strength. Yep. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Now, he's actually a good player, Kakwa. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he's he knows what he's doing. and he, But he ha- he plays it in a fun way, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. He's a really good guy to play. But um, now that I have taken the victory, Kakwa jumped on and recorded a small clip for us to play on this cast. Mm-hmm. So, here is what he had to say. Beautiful. I haven't heard this yet. I'm actually <laughs> really keen to hear it. All right. This is Kakwa, and I humbly bow to the might and brilliance of Benson's tactical genius. The real reason I missed game one on the second day was because I was crying about my defeat to Benson. May Direct Misfire, the world's best Kings of War podcast, continue forever. P.S. Tracy is God. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Got him. So he didn't turn up for the first game of day two, and he's claiming it's because, well, you're, you're making him claim that it's because he was still crying about his loss in game one. That's very funny. No, it wasn't because he hit it too hard that, that night. <laughs> at the no, nothing to do with being at the Rippers at like 4am or something yeah. like that and almost making it two nights in a row with no sleep. No, <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't the reason. Anyway, thanks again for the game, Kakwa. All right, let's uh, get into game two. Tillich, take it away. Yes. So round two against Adam Story, I would not be so lucky there. So a very dominant ogre list, I'll be polite there. Yeah, two warlocks, nom. Uh, two siege breakers in 1995 was always going to be a bit of a struggle for my list. Mm. Um, I just can't can't take that uh, that grind with that defense. And then when I did finally hurt something, it was just healed back with uh, Nom and the Warlocks. Mm. So pretty pretty big sad face there. I must say though that Adam Story just didn't let me get any flanks or any surge shenanigans or um, 
like really good combo charges. So yeah, he just played really, really well with that list. All right. Next up, it was you and me, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. So we drew each other. Um, what? What? Why did I have to go and win my game one? I wasn't meant to win games. <laughs> now I'm playing. Now I'm playing you. So. Yeah, um, getting all the way down there, ready to teach some new players how to do their thing. So I was, I was glad I got an opportunity to do that this game and just <laughs> mm. really, you know, help you to learn how to play Kings of War yeah. and stuff like that. I really know? needed to see what the assassins could do because just, that's just something that I hadn't experienced. Definitely in. hadn't seen that before. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, pretty crazy game, this one. I actually uh, made it a little closer than I thought I was going to be able to. Yeah, there were some key dice rolls in there that had they not gone my way in terms of just high nerve to waive a particular unit or just take something off the board in one round it certainly could have gone the other way yeah you waver the nightmares on a double six after they took one wound or something at one stage which was definitely costly because it meant that i couldn't charge up that flank yeah they were primed to to head forward but couldn't yeah or maybe they uh, would have fluffed it anyway because game one they they also got wavered on like a high roll mm. and both times i thought oh gee if only i had inspiring and then went hang on a minute though it still would have happened <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that high roll waiver obviously you don't get to re-roll that with inspiring it's only if they actually route so mm. Yeah, they, they were disappointments in both the first two games and I was waiting for them to redeem themselves, but uh, we'll see if that actually happens. I do like that you had this sneaky play of flying an assassin up in between two of my hordes and it was in such a position that it was out of one inch of both of the hordes but still out of arc, so I couldn't really get them. Yeah, I got excited because I wanted to threaten all your sneaky wizard like, yeah. and flag bearer like cheap crappy stuff back there. And then he got snarked. <laughs> but didn't didn't take into account that uh, Grony Snark was just going to rip him a new one if he if he went in there. So yep. that's exactly what happened. And yeah, Grony Snark made him pay for his sneaky hubris. Mm. Yeah, and and Grony Snark proceeded to kill about three quarters of my army after that, give or take. Yeah, <laughs> and then right at the end, some lucky um, bolt thrower from the uh, slasher into a lone regiment of what's it's going for one of the control points mm. and took that off luckily. No inspiring helped, I think. <laughs> yeah, so good close game. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, I wrote down, because I, I took notes, but my notes were only about what the assassins did, really, not really about the game. But um, <laughs> my note for that one was um, 15 wounds taken from gr- Grony Cheese was for what happened to the shield bearer. That's the one with Defense 6, by the way. Yep. Not that that matters. Um, the <laughs> And the other guy managed to charged the mega wolf riders and died but he did do 11 damage on his way out that was the uh, the crystal mm. rat so not yeah. too shabby hmm. so that's what you got to do with the crystal pen you can't ignore him just take him out just deal with it with the damage that's and it. move on with life that's right and some players kind of like were a bit scared of him and and worried about it or at least i thought they might be but hmm. there was enough experience there that like i wasn't cha- he wasn't chasing around like bottom table noobs like like cackling with his um, crystal pendant <laughs> while they freaked out, really. Like that's kind of what I was amusing myself in my head that might happen, but it was more like, uh, no, nah, I'll just charge him and he's dead. And yeah, mm. sure, I took some damage and yeah. who cares. So <laughs> yep. a little disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we said that you won that game, but <laughs> perhaps it goes without saying. Yeah. Okay, so that comes into game three. Silic. Next up was uh, Hugh. Bit of a surprise there. So oh. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really glad I came down to play, you know, all these new players, help them out with Kings of War and stuff. Games three was against Selic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, like, 
why did I even come to this tournament at this point? So um, I just played you and then into Selic. Although uh, I, I say that and, and joke, and you might assume that I've played Selic many times, uh, given that I've played him, you know, we, we obviously uh, have the podcast mm-hmm. and mm. stuff like that. Um, and certainly I've played Benson many times, as, as you'd guess. But I actually haven't really played Selic much. I've, That's right. I've played him only uh, a handful of times, maybe maybe two times ever i think prior to this yeah i think so so yeah it was it was cool to to have another game against him and and um you know find an excuse to roll some mm. dice mm. so i played pretty badly against selic um i think i was already starting to get a bit tired to be honest so <laughs> i don't seem to have much stamina for the old cow anymore my note for the assassin in game three was forgot about surge charged by zombie ogres died <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what happens when you try to like sneakily uh run around the back of uh undead i'm like oh yeah that's right because outflanking undead is pointless because they just instantly <laughs> rotate and kill you yep so right you just need to hit them in the front where they've got the defense five and and everything else where you can't kill them and they're fearless. Yeah, okay, yeah, oh, that's right. This is what it feels like to play a, uh, a, a unoptimal Ratkin army against Undead. Uh, so it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. The other one did go boom into the um, the whites, but according to my notes, did SFA or um, sweet fuck all. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Selick Se- 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 took me off pretty handedly. I didn't play very well. I made some dumb mistakes. Um but I was also kind of didn't care about those mistakes as much. My experiment around um, can I like take a step back and not stress about the games and be like, right, I'm playing this poxy list. I'm, I'm playing kind of silly games. Can I mm. like not stress about the die rolls and stuff so much? And I think I, I, I was achieving that at this point, at least. It felt like, yeah, I'm doing a decent job of of not freaking out or anything, you know, mm. not, not that I was freaking out before. I don't know. How do I articulate this? I was not stressing at all about the fact that I, uh, you know, had some bad die rolls here and there and so forth. Like, so like ran over me and well deserves to, because I played like a bit of a numpty. Yeah. I managed to get, uh, the win on that one, 18, three. Um, but Hugh naturally being the pie buster there. So it doesn't, doesn't mean too much. He's a very good player as well. Okay. That was game three. Game three for me, I was up against his name Rex Gibson, and he was taking Salamanders. Now, game three was kill, so there wasn't a whole lot to think about in this one. And basically, I took off everything that wasn't defense five and fearless. <laughs> so Snark did his thing on some things. He couldn't finish off some important characters right at the end, which is a bit of a shame. So drop the ball there. But it was only a small loss for me, so I guess I couldn't be too upset with that. And he killed most of my stuff, and that was the game. <laughs> pretty pretty Checks straightforward. Out. Yeah. Game four, Selick. Final game of day one uh, was against AG, or Andrew Goodman. He had a very strong Night Stalkers list. It was a KG KG game, back and forth. I think it was even Stevens from uh, around turn four. There was a, yeah, just a lot of wounds going around everywhere, and I trying to get through that region, and he was trying to get through my heals and things. Um, it ended up coming down to on turn seven, I think it was. He rolled a snake eyes on, on a legion of zombies. And that wasn't so much the, the issue. The issue was that I could counter charge and potentially take off one of his unit strength that would have flipped the game from a draw to a win. So it ended up, I smashed him, got a, a whole heap of wounds on one of his, his weakest unit, and I needed sixes twice, uh, and I rolled a three. So um, what that meant was that he we had an even... 
unit strength and it was a draw when we went down to attrition it was also a draw so yeah it was a great game to sort of finish off or whenever you play against ag it's uh it's always something that you really have to focus for um all of that time so i was very happy to have a beer at the end of day one how did your last game go here game four uh i played against my man yan yan the man who i've i probably played i don't know about Seven or eight times at this stage, I've played Yan quite a few times. Keep coming across him in events. We tend to to like have similar results and therefore wind each wind up playing each other quite mm. regularly. He was playing the Free Dwarfs, so yeah, had a Free Dwarf army. This was the one where you had to get over the center line, invade, mm-hmm. yeah, you invade their territory and whatever. Army very poorly equipped to deal with heaps and heaps of guys on brocks and mm. yeah uh, and things like that. I think there wasn't a whole lot I could do but I had a bit of fun just sort of running at him and and uh, and making a time of it so we did uh, our most heroic achievements I suppose were was our um, gnome glass shield assassin who's consistently outperforming the other one at this stage despite Mm. his uh, mishap with his zombie ogres (laughs) he managed to slay a troop of berserker dwarfs um, and did 18 attacks into the Iron Priest. Hey, the it happened. Host Shadow Beast, so 18, not bad. Uh, and got him as well, Ooh, which yeah. was awesome. And then he killed another group of troop of berserkers. So he had a heroic game. I think he was pretty much the only thing in my army that killed anything, though. <laughs> Everyone else completely fluffed it. And what I was finding is, which I thought, um, I took the uh, Boots of Levitation on the uh, Warlock that, did the host shadow beast stuff yep and i thought what i'll do is i'll move 12 inches up to get into that 12 inch range because it's difficult it's gonna be difficult to get in range of the assassins and stuff like that mm. and i'll like you know protect him with other units my warlocks very rarely die normally so i thought oh, you know he'll be right mm. but in practice i was finding that maybe in part because the assassins were in like recklessly dangerous situations and trying to like you know go deep behind enemy lines but to get the warlock in range of host shadow beast, he typically got owned straight afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was there, and I was like, "Well, I either cast host shadow beast, and then my warlock gets charged by something and dies, or gets mm. shot, or whatever, or I just don't cast host shadow beast and hide behind a unit and lightning bolt." And so, of course, in every opportunity in this particular event, I was like, "Well, I'm casting host shadow beast. Came in and host shadow beast. I'm not really hiding like a wussy." Uh, and so, the warlock tended to go in do the beast and then get executed, mm. which uh, definitely happened to this game um, and several others. So if I did the whole shadow beast thing again with any kind of level of seriousness, like if I was trying to do it like like your list does it, like more effectively, Benson, I would for sure take him on a steed. You've got to mount him up, yep. Yeah, because you need that speed so mm. you can actually place him in a spot where one, he can cast the spell, but two, he's not just going to get immediately charged afterwards mm. 12 inches with the boots of levitation was nice and i really like the boots particularly just running around casting lightning bolt i'm like oh this is pretty good it's probably not worth the points but it feels mm. good like it feels mm. flexible but uh in practice like especially with the assassins they just get so far like into your enemy lines um that it's just it just makes him too vulnerable it's like an even more hopeless tactic than it sounds like uh on the box and i think that's what they intended they wanted it to be a fun spell it wasn't meant to go with granny snark so he can take hordes off it that's was meant right. to do silly shenanigans like this and um yeah while it's fun it's uh, awfully ineffective yeah what i would suggest also just um, a bit of uh, foreshadowing with my list is if you're going to go that route try the crown of the wizard king i think that's what it's called which gives you an extra six inch on your spell ranges when you're casting on friendly dudes so you'll have 12 to 18 inch on main chant and shadow beast and whatnot so it really 
makes a difference when it comes to keeping your wizards safe and being able to see over the heads of your dudes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it wasn't around that, that magic item. I don't think I'd seen it before or whatever. It wasn't mm. part of my um, psyche. It wasn't part of my consciousness. But uh, yeah, I do think that's better than the boots. So the boots mm. obviously let you move at the double and then use it. So with a six-inch movement on like a warlock, you get the same amount of range, basically. You can move 12 and cast 12 as opposed to move six and cast 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's the same distance, but you're just much safer with that longer cast range Mm. rather than the longer movement range. So yeah, definitely agree with you. I recommend it. And it's cheaper too than doing the boots. Yes, Um, The boots give you other flexibility elsewhere, like you can march and do a lightning bolt or, or what have you. That's fine. But not a big deal here. No, get him on the steed and give him that extra aura range. He's much the same price, I think. He's might be slightly more, mm. like an extra couple of points than um, than just the boots of levitation. But it's it'd be much more effective. I didn't have a warlock on a mount, was part of the reason I yeah, didn't do it yep. that way. We'll but, have to get one for you. But yeah, that might be worth uh, mm-hmm. worth having in the future. Just, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna do it much in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Ratkin don't have a warrior style character that can actually. Do anything like in this case you're trying to do it on an assassin and you're trying that's to get his worries you're gonna get <laughs> independent characters although i did get it out a second time this game so for those uh those listening that are really keen to to know what the crystal rat did <laughs> he got 18 attacks into a brock berserker Oy. which was pretty awesome uh but he failed to kill him nah. <laughs> even, with, even, with, <laughs> even with 18 attacks into the uh berserker character and then he got shot by the alchemist curse and just died uh, uh. and i wrote I wrote no boom, sad face. So <laughs> he did not get to blow up heroically, but at least he got some shadow beast in there. Mm. Um, all right. So my game four, I was up against Steve Tuck and he was taking this stupid regen Healy flying list. So just about everything was flying. There's flying beasts, there's flying calves, there's Pegasus and a couple of unicorns and the, the wizard lady who heals or kills things and and there was a bunch of heart pierces as well and they were regenerating <laughs> so anyway i felt like i was pushing the proverbial uphill and i feel like it was a game that i should have won had the nerve rolls decided to not make that so oh no yeah like there was one of steve's expensive flying cav which was great granny stark went in took it off in the second round so that was a fantastic start but that's pretty much all that happened everything else was just a slog my slasher and a, like a goblin horde couldn't take out one of the flying beasts over a few rounds. Mm. Uh, he ended up killing the slasher just in combat because he kept healing it and I couldn't roll the nerve high enough. I kept rolling oh, fours no. and fives and that was frustrating. Isn't healing units when you're really trying to kill them like one oh, of the most demoralizing so things in Kings yep. of War? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, so it goes for the hard pieces. So he's defense three knobs and I was... Just rolling some reasonable attacks and then low nerve and then they regen and then there's radiance of life. Far out. So that came down to a turn seven as well where I had a a bit of a chance to bring it back and actually win the thing from a loss. But that wasn't going to happen. So I sort of ran into things, did maybe one or two points of damage, needed a five, I think, rolled a four. Nah. <laughs> kept oh, them wow. There. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's the reason why I lost the game. I think he agreed as well. Like, I should have won, but it didn't work. But yeah, it was a tough experience. Still a fun game against Tuck. We always have we always have fun. Yeah, he's a good fun opponent, but he's uh, definitely brings some pretty nasty lists. Hmm. That flying list is 
a lot to deal with. I don't think goblins do well against flying to begin with. I don't think I do well against flying. I've got a definitely a bit of an Achilles heel there. And yeah, when I played his Night Stalkers, like loads of flyers list, uh, different to that one, but yeah, it, he plays them well and they're just mm. so threatening. It's like every time you try to move to rotate, another one's up your ass and you're just like, God, what do I do about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, it's rough. So that was the end of one. I was uh, cooked and had some food and went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you went to bed reasonably early in the end. Then you didn't you didn't party the night away with the with the lads. No, oh really? Not at all. But it was fine. Mm. How about let's get into our lists? I don't think we've gone through our list for day two. So, Sal, can you just run through yours quickly for the twenty three hundred list? So the day two. Um, I went with very similar army, so I went with a zombie regiment once again, two wraith troops, both vanilla this time, the death pack, also vanilla, uh, the soul reaver cav with fury, same again, with the trolls with j-boots, the whites with the blade of slashing, um, where it does start to change up, however, is I took the vampire on the undead pegasus, uh, Mr. Disappointing, and... Necromancer is exactly the same, and Morgoth, the Faceless, once again, and the Shambling Blight formation is exactly the same as well. So two legions, one with the hammer, one with the brew of strength, and the Gore Blight. So that's uh, 24 unit strength with 13 drops. And so what were you taking day two? Did you play many games day two? Uh, I didn't turn up for game one because they were meant to have an even number. We had one person dropping out. Yep. But then some of the lads, unlike your you good self, got pretty loose the night before. I think Kakwa and the Gronks went into town and had a big big night of yeah. it. Yeah, there was a fair few people that were uh, pulled out day two. Um, so there was a couple of people for health issues and there was a couple for beer issues. Um, I do believe uh, one of the Gronks that travel all the way down from uh, Sydney, so I think it was Max, uh, that had a, a very, very big night. It was very quiet day one. I have it under good authority, though, that when he got home at 6 or 7 a.m. that he was not quiet um, on the day two. Um, so unsurprisingly, um, there was a couple that didn't quite make it. Uh, through into day two. Mm. So then we were back to odd numbers again. So I sort of got the call and went in and Jeff did have to step aside and um, take the buy game one of day mm. two, mm. which made me feel a bit bad. I probably should have just come. Like I had a lovely sleep in and breakfast with the missus and stuff and, and hang out. And I thought, I'll just give the guys a call. I thought I might even call in and see what's up day two, yeah. but not play. But then, um, yeah, obviously uh, the bat signal went up and <laughs> I came back in. So I, there's only three games uh, day two. Mm-hmm. So I played game two and then I think Kakwa rolled up like halfway through game two <laughs> and re-entered the tournament, which meant okay. that... Um, uh, we were back to even numbers and I didn't yeah. play game three, mm. which suited me just fine. I didn't mind. Uh, it wasn't like it's a reasonably long drive, but to drive yeah. down for one game and then hang out for a bit and then leave, that was that suited me just perfectly on the Sunday, honestly. So mm-hmm. didn't bother me, which mm. was good fun. But my list for that for that one game, at least, we have uh, the Troop of Scurriers still. It's sort of similar to the TL list, but there's some some differences. Mm-hmm. We had a horde of shock troops this time instead of just the regiment. Uh, two regiments of shock troops as well, continuing to try to like get some consistent use out of those guys. And again, they continued to be quite effective enough for me to. Like, I wouldn't take them with heavy halberds and plague pots. That's just a that's thirty points mm. wasted. It doesn't come up often enough. Mm. But just as a straight um, hundred and thirty point unit, they're not half bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a uh, a couple of regiments of warriors, a couple more regiments of spear warriors, actually. 
We have a Master Scurrier, of course, times three this time. Mm. Yeah, baby. <laughs> we've got three assassins. So we've got Crystal Pendants back. Gnome of Glass Shield is back. And our third one had uh, the Wings of the Honey Maze this time. So we've got a mm. flying assassin. Right. Madness. Yep. Uh, once again, I've got the Warlock with the uh, Host Shadow Beast and the Boots. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Knowledgeable. And then instead of my Big Rat, which hadn't really done anything up till this point, uh, just keeps getting one shot, man. Like mm-hmm. that... They've got dash 17, and with a bit of rallying, like dash 18 or 19 nerf, they just get one shot every game. I, don't, I feel like they just need to hold once and then regen and radiance of life and back into it like they're meant to do. What defense are they? They're defense four. Right, okay. Yeah. Hmm. And that, But with such a high nerve, they should still hold sometimes, but I find my opponent just spikes the roll like every time. Like I've done the maths. I'm like, they should take seven or eight wounds, hold, and they, they inevitably take like 14 wounds and just break, or, or they... Or, <laughs> To be fair, without inspiring on one or two occasions, <laughs> yeah, ten or eleven wins, and then just like they roll like an eight or a nine or whatever they need, and and pop it off, and just like damn it, mm. yeah. Anyway, and then in the, but in this particular list uh, for the two thousand three hundred, I took a death engine spewer and the smoke and mirrors formation, so I had mm. the two shredders and another death engine ah, yes. spewer. Yeah, uh, it's still with a horde of vermintide as well. So we basically got um, double spewer in there. So I thought we'd try that out rather than the nightmares and stuff, and just see if we can. Um, you know, shoot a bunch of lightning out of our little little spew monsters. Mm-hmm. See how that goes. Mm. And how did it go? Let's get into it now. Why not? Well, uh, my game four was... Uh, wait, which game is this? It's game five, isn't it, mm-hmm. technically? Yeah. yeah. So I played Lance Holden, yep. uh, who was playing Orcs. Um, it's probably worth saying that one of my opponents over the course of the event had like a very beautifully painted army and was quite uh, unhappy about getting a really low paint score. Mm. In fact, they got like a... a f- four or five out of 10 or whatever, or out of 15 oh, right. or whatever it was. And I was like, that, and I looked at their models and I'm like, this actually doesn't make any sort of sense. Like it's a little bit haphazard, the the color scheme. Uh, yep. Like it wasn't super duper uniform, yep. but nor should it have been. And those individual like rank and file models were painted as well as my characters. You know, like they were really good, uh, really nice shading, really nice like poppy highlights, the whole works. Like, And I, I said to him like, God, you, your army's painted beautifully. And he's like, yeah, well, apparently not because I got like a five for painting or whatever. So I mean, even yeah. Viv, one of our mates who was only there one day, who I am painting the Basilean list, was it's only half painted. I've only painted like four or five of his units and he got a seven. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so perhaps missed the, the mark on that particular painting score. I'm sure most others were fairly well judged, but just goes to show like sometimes you can do a good job of painting an army and then when you have that kind of a uh, subjective painting score involved then especially if the the judge is just like looking at it from a distance or not being careful for I mean, that particular one or, or even just has a different opinion like it's just gonna upset people a bit i was talking to andrew about this on the saturday night and he because he only got a couple more points than viv and it's i think it's because the actual painting portion within the painting metric is only worth a third of the maximum points because then you've also got sort of like theme and then you've got basing so you can have the fantastically painted army your basing might not be up to snuff or whatever and then you'd still only get five points if you're maxing out the paint so mm. I think the actual paint part needed to be weighted more heavily than the theme and basing. Yeah, that's probably fair enough that the, the actual paint bit, that's the hardest bit, right? Rather than yeah. the theme and the basing necessarily. Yeah. And also theme is just so ridiculously subjective. Mm. Like, yeah. 
who knows, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. regardless of which way you look at it, just that I'd mentioned since I'd harped on about it so much last time that <laughs> yeah. if, if we if we thought that everyone got away unscathed, I don't think anyone kicked up a fuss. No. But if if we thought that like everyone walked away from the event being like, yeah, cool, that was great fun, and this didn't affect my fun factor at all, like that's not really the case. It actually did sort of. Mm. Mm. a few uh, people quite reasonably but in any case uh to the actual game against my boy lance so he's a nice bloke uh, a bit of salt of the earth wargamer that's been playing war games for a long time you could see that his orcs have been collected over the years as from all these different editions and stuff and he was a fun opponent we had a really fun game actually it was surprisingly close i got all three assassins behind his lines early and just went deal with it like you gotta you gotta do something he had uh he had the special character orc warlock another orc warlock and a flag bearer that the assassins could eat for brekkie and then they also he also had a um a flying crudger or slasher or biter or whatever it is you know a big scary dragon friend slasher. Um, who was obviously a bit much for even my mighty assassins to take on but i, I tried to get behind him and just like ask the question like yeah you can hide your independent characters because it's almost impossible <laughs> to get them with hype to assassins if you really want to hide them but if you move them in front of your army my army will charge them if you leave them behind the assassins will get them so like, mm-hmm. i got to have fun asking that question and for the most part, he ma- he managed to zap off a couple of the assassins, mm-hmm. uh, and my my flying one, the lower defense really cost him. He got he got fireballed into oblivion mm-hmm. and uh, didn't have a great time of it. But uh, once again, the mighty glass rat, the glass shield rat, uh, went completely nuts and killed both warlocks and the flag bearer before finally getting surrounded by Lance's entire remaining army. So he wiped the rest of my army off the board. It was fairly it was fairly even on objectives for a while, but eventually the orcs won the grind and smashed mm. through my regiments and stuff, kind of as you'd expect. I won yeah. one flank but lost the center and the other flank. So mm. the army was basically gone. And then we had this kind of comical end of the game thing where all his hordes and regiments like turned around and formed basically a a square around this assassin so there was no way for him to get out but his um scary uh warlock special character was right in the middle and so i kind of could run in the tiny gap out with the assassin and flee or i could like have a mighty royal rumble just like getting surrounded by all these orcs watching on kind of thing. so of course i went for the royal rumble um he took him out right at the end cut off his head and sort of like squawked to the sky in his triumph before he got run over by a horde of orcs and stomped into the dirt but yeah, he managed to kill three special characters. So over the course of the event, I think his total headcount was six individual characters in five games. Mm. He managed to kill that one assassin. The others just utterly sucked. But that guy was like, you know, all the resources poured into the other ones. His shield broke, but just saved him from just enough damage. And then he got <laughs> in and did work. So what a hero. Good job. So you're going to continue the uh, assassin trend? In future games? Oh, I'll, I'll never give up on my boys. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, it's definitely a reminder that they're very poor. The biggest problem with them is four attacks. Four attacks yeah. just sucks. Uh, they really need five. And honestly, they'd be a different unit with five. Mm. Um, with six, they'd actually be good. Six, mm. they'd be great. Even, maybe even too good. Um, they'd need to go up in points. But yeah, with the with the four, they, they're definitely pretty damn weak. Yep. But one with a gnome glass shield is honestly not a bad thing to have in your army. I mean... Mm you're probably giving up some equity elsewhere because you're missing out on like a lightning bolt or a mm. or an inspiring piece or whatever different roles but also the other my other conclusion was inspiring is overrated like there were definitely points in games like uh, especially day 1 when my 
Monster Beast got charged a couple of times and they needed like a nine to break and got him. Yep. Like it happened a couple of times, but not as much as you would think. Over the course of five games, I reckon Inspiring would have come in handy, you know, three or four times, like at all. Mm-hmm. And on those occasions, who knows? I might have just, they might have just rolled again and got them anyway. It's not like mm. it guarantees that, that it would have saved my bacon, as it were. Mm. So... I honestly think that like most of us Kings of War players, uh, especially experienced ones, tend to have like pretty much all their units inspired at all times, give or take. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. we'll deploy that way. We'll I certainly try to, but yeah, yeah, we'll maneuver models to to make it that way. And yeah, sometimes you're like, yeah, it's cool, but this unit's not inspired. It's just chilling on a flank or it's chaff or whatever. It's fine. Yeah. But yep. for the most part, every time it matters, good Kings of War players, like every time a route roll matters, it's inspired. Really. Mm. Yep. Um, we know that that's the way it works. But if, if I had a takeaway from this, well, one of my several takeaways from this sort of experiment that I, that I went through, I mean, I wasn't surprised to find that assassins are bad. But <laughs> what I was surprised to find is that maybe I don't need to put as much emphasis on inspiring. Maybe I can take a bit of it or maybe sometimes I can take the bang stick on my warlock instead of the inspiring talisman and just accept that some units aren't going to be inspired sometimes. Mm. Mm. Like I'm, I'm playing a defense four army for the most part. Um, there's like a few defense three things in there. Like nightmares are defense five, but they absolutely suck. They were completely useless in all four of my games. Again, I'm like, they're just a terrible ogre. You know? They just cost too many points. <laughs> yep. So I basically have a defense four army. They tend to get pumped with a million wounds and die like most times that they go into combat. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so just, just like, yeah, inspire your shock troops so that they don't just like roll an 11 when they need an 11 to break it and kill them or something. But other than that, just just, just be chill. I think that might be my takeaway. I might be able to like um, get some equity that way and put some more points into some other bits and pieces, you know. Mm. Just keep the important stuff inspired and forget the rest. That's it. Yeah, broadly that's, uh, obviously that's oversimplifying it. But in general, I guess, just putting a little bit less stock and inspiring and not stressing too much about it. Because the other thing that I found um, really interesting was that uh, I almost instantly realized that when you don't have any inspiring pieces, deployment becomes way more interesting yes. or less freeing. stressful perhaps. Yeah. yeah, freeing, that's right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think like where are going to be my like little units, like blocks that I need to put my inspiring things in. I can just basically put my characters wherever I want because they don't inspire. It right? doesn't matter. And, and, yeah. yeah, I don't have to... I can put a unit on like a far flank that no characters are going to be near because, yeah, they're not going to get inspired, but I don't have inspiring anyway. Mm. So... I think I should deploy that way a bit more because deployment, I think, is another weakness that I've had in mm. in the past. And maybe mm. I can just l- worry less in deployment about having inspiring, like worry about that later in the game when it matters and just hold off on it a bit. So, yeah, it's interesting that you got a few takeaways from playing this like super Gumby Gumby list. Mm. Well, that's good. At least you had yeah. some learning points. Mm. I know it's a bit of a back and forth in terms of layout with this cast at the moment, but I'll just go through my list and then I'll go through the games. So day two, I don't know why I submitted this list. I remember when uh, Andrew Goodman released the lists for public viewing. I saw mine, I think, I didn't submit this. Some idiot submitted this. This is a rubbish list. So <laughs> You're really is... <laughs> down on yourself for it, but I didn't know why. It seemed fine to me. Uh, no, no. So this was two hordes of rabble. We got the more beasts like normal. I had the mincer mob with sharpness. It's not a good unit. I just really like the figure that I've got, so I tried to force it into my list. I want to shoot some dogs at my dudes. A goblin blaster, one wing it with the melee variety, the ramming speed. The Goblin Slash with the Aura again. 
the King and Wiz combo, the Grony Snark and Mounted Wiz, uh, but with the Wizard King crown on this one. Mm, nice. Wizard King crown, huh? Yeah, it's, it's like it kept him safe and he didn't have to move as far to zap my uh, Grony Snark. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the aura thing that we were talking yeah, about. Earlier. That's yeah. That's what that does. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Extended range. Magro and Juus. Because he was a beast, and the slasher would also give him extra attacks with that aura. Quizlow and Madfall, because he's a beast, and same again, extra attacks with the aura. Not that it mattered, because he was always far away. Grogger's Slug Lads, so that's the Berserker Horde. And then the formation. No more pups in- inserted into this one, because I've got a launcher I can shoot dogs at him later. And the king this time had the Pipes of Terror instead of the reroll sword. Mm. Why I didn't like this is because it doesn't have any real focus. I've got the aura, mm. but then units that don't quite sit with them, it would have to run off with the Fleabag Riders, and then I've got a pretty weak core. The Mincer Mob is way too cumbersome to manoeuvre. It's just so slow and doesn't get around corners very well, and so mm. it's usually stuck in the centre or off on the side and doesn't get to combat until it like, turns five and yeah, six. Yeah, I feel like the Mincer Mob is a bit of a... It's a bit of a noob crusher unit. Yeah. Like it's, mm. it's really good against people who underestimate its defence six in the front and yeah. like or, or let it charge anything with its, what, movement five. Yeah. But if you control it and... And actually, like, deal with it in a competent way. It it is doesn't really get its points back, does it? Yeah. Mm. Nah. Uh, and I didn't have the giants in this list, which I thought were great in the first one because of the high nerve and being able to thump some big boys. Because I don't have a whole lot of crushing in this other than Grony. But even then, if he doesn't crack the nut in the first round of combat, he's getting hit back and probably dying or just retaliating with just crush one because he would have no thunderous, and that's right. neutered quite a bit. Mm. So it was very mishmash, and I hated the list, and I still don't like it. So let's get into the games. <laughs> so, Tillich, take it away. Yeah, I'll kick off. Uh, so day two was up against uh, Bensom. That's right. And Bensom's Goblins. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it was, a, once again, another pretty tactical game. I felt that we both played really well. Um, I'm not sure if you agree with that. Yeah, I think we both played well. There was only maybe a couple of mistakes that each of us made that probably wouldn't have affected the outcome looking at it in hindsight. But yeah. yeah, it was sort of came down to, I think we made one slight error where I should have probably overrun into the flank. It probably did hurt me a little bit just on the scoring side of things because that was a, a on the Mincer mobs, wasn't it? Yeah, so, that's right. Not that the mobs did anything. They just pivoted for six turns. But uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it was a very, very fun game. Um, and it was probably the best way to kick off day two, to be honest, after a couple of beers the night before. Hmm, agreed. Let's go through my points on that particular game. And that's his whites, the Defense 6 Ghosty Boys. No, the Defense 5. Defense I don't know. Five, the, yeah. the race of the Defense 6. Okay. That's it. They're even worse than whites, I think, the race. They're so fucking hard to deal with. So, excuse my French. <laughs> the troops of of uh, the flying defense six ones, whichever yes. ones they are. White. God, they're <laughs> so hard to deal with. Yeah. Uh, Waves. 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 <laughs> so, he had like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Granny Snark snarked the whites, the defense five guys in one round, which is what he does. Mm-hmm. And then like the slasher eight, the defense six guys combined with the wizard lizard and cavalry into some other knights. And it was all sort of clustered around. So elite was getting handed out left, right and center. Aura of rampage was getting handed out. And so just that whole section collapsed and that was pretty fun. Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> Sounds fun for, for you at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like I was saying, the Mincer mob being rubbish, 
it did absolutely nothing in this game. Uh, he had his flying vampire on a vampire and flying Pegasus or whatever it is on there. What's flying it? vampire uh, riding yeah. a uh, regular horse? horse. Yeah, no. No, no. <laughs> he just like clutches it with his thighs real tight and just flies it <laughs> off. So he was causing problems because he'd fly and then pivot and then I'd have to turn to not get flanked and then he'd move and pivot and then do it's just that dance mm-hmm. and he ended up like killing some stuff but my mentor was just pivoting move an inch pivot move an inch pivot move an inch oh the game's ended <laughs> okay so that yep. felt like a waste of points sounds like my my experience with against flying characters a lot of the yep. time <laughs> it scored a point so i guess it didn't do nothing it was it helped but um if it wasn't there then my goblin horde would have picked up the point so it was pretty useless <laughs> anyway so that was that one and i beat telic yay mm. nice uh i'll get stuck into my last two games and then Sally can quickly run through his because my game five and six were up against two ogre lists and they were helmed by Luke Schaefer and Trent Walker. And for my particular lists, the ogres were a hard counter. All my rampage aura did nothing and it was just essentially a wall of defense five and six with all the, like in, in Luke's case, it was four warlocks. Mm. And you just didn't have enough crushing to get through it, right? Yeah, and there's just so many little guys and everything scored, especially for the scenarios and so it was just, it was, it was tough. There was one chance I could have won the game in game five where uh, Luke sort of charged my dudes right at the end. And I had one opportunity for my Luggett Horde to try and break a Siege Breaker Horde carrying some tokens. If I could break them, I could pick up the tokens, but mm. they're running into defense six guys. The chances was pretty slim and then it didn't happen. So, yeah, <laughs> That's, I still did okay to lose small, but still, that was rough. And then we go into the final game against Trent, who's a fantastic guy, great guy, who listens to the podcast and took our suggestions in that Crocodogs are great and Hunters is speed, plus one to make him fast. Oh, is this the only army that had Crocodogs? Mm-hmm. I don't recall yeah. seeing them anywhere else. Yeah. And they're bloody annoying, like I There's, said. Like, uh, you're not... No, I think it was me that said they're bloody annoying. You were talking about how great they were. Because I was, I was so. playing with them. Yeah, they're great. That's right. And like, <laughs> I don't see why people aren't taking them, because they're fantastic. Ugh, no, but anyway... I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, you're preaching to the converted. They're amazing. Mm. This is the hardest of counters in terms of my list. Especially with the board as well, like it was dominate and right in the center there was like a a barricade and then a building on each side of that barricade so I could only fit one horde of things in there. It was was rough. But he had two crocodogs. So if Grony went in to snark something, a crocodile would eat him and he had one on each side of his army so there was no way I could avoid it. What's that? There's... Hang on a minute. Is there a counter to Grony Snark? No yep. wonder you must have struggled. Crocodile. <laughs> because usually you just can't do anything about him running in and killing your mm-hmm. more expensive units like a double dragon. Yep. Uh, but in this case, you actually you actually could counter Grony. So I, I felt like it would have uh, I would have done so like a disservice if we got through the whole podcast without some Grony Snark salt. <laughs> <laughs> I did joke throughout the tournament that I should have printed out some certificates, and whenever Snark would go in and take something off in one turn, I'd just sign it and say you've been snarked. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in the case in this one because I knew Grony was going to die. So let's just point him at the biggest thing I could, which was the big deal, took it off in one round, and then he died, as expected. Mm. But this was, I mean, as fun as it was, it was also super, 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 super frustrating, because I think I was stuck in combat with a horde of siege breakers for 
three rounds of combat. Mm. Mm. I would bring the unit up to 11, 13 damage. I mean, they're only 15, 17. Fail to route them, and then he would drain life and heal them back up to a healthy spot. And I'd do that again, and he'd do that again, and I'd do that again. He'd Rolling nerve threes and fours is the killer. Mm. And I should have yeah. won the game, but I was just stuck on that unit for so long, and then he just cleaned up. One thing that you should note is Shadow Beast, even if Green's not there, fantastic on Magua and Drews. He starts off with seven attacks. He's hitting on three. He's got crushing two, and he's got that 360 individual charge, speed six, D3. Yeah, that's part of why I thought this list was not that bad because you had two really good targets for that Shadow Beast. It wasn't just like all in on Grony. But he doesn't score. So <laughs> when you're playing scenarios that require scoring units, you'd have to take stuff off to sort of bring it back. But he did mm-hmm. he did work in that last game. He, he was the one that finished off that Seedbreaker Horde and another Horde just because he did 11 damage by himself in the flank mm. with his consistent hitting. But, oh, man, what a, what a tough, annoying, frustrating game. Great guy, Trent, but, man, Crocodogs, take them. Take them. Just take the Crocodogs and you win. <laughs> yeah. They so kind annoying. of shore up every weakness that the Ogres have, right? Because they're just, they're just like, good against flyers, good against individuals, good against uh, a lot of the things that yep. they otherwise can get yeah, run Surprising around. Surprising attacks. Mm-hmm. You can't get to them and they just run through their own units to charge other things. Like They're so maneuverable, yeah. yeah. And, like, one took on the Wizard Lizard, who isn't an individual, and just wavered him a couple of turns in a row and then finished him off. Their attacks are ridiculously good. (laughs) good. They don't even need Duelist. They just... Yeah. yeah. But that that was my tournament. I ended up middle of the pack. Okay, so I can just run through your two and then we'll wrap this up. Game six. uh, So the Northern Alliance, uh, Brendan Cousins, sorry. Uh, It was a bit of a Russian standoff that whole game. Um, But once we were sort of committed, I think um, Brendan really struggled against the sort of grindiness and a really high nerve of the undead. He gave me a couple of rear charges and side charges there that really um, helped me get get on top of him there. So ended up, uh, I actually should probably go back. uh, So I lost against Ben, uh, 18-3 in the end. But against Brendan, I managed to flip that again. 18-3 win for me which put me onto Game 7, and this is probably going to be the shortest one. Ken's Forces of the Abyss uh, had 81 shots cool. a turn, and it made very, very quick work of my army. It was pretty much uh, just pointing and clicking um, a unit a turn, and it was just deleting it. Yeah, I couldn't really counter that at all, so he was just picking all my hammer units and then just unloading all of those shots into it at any one time, and uh, it would just take it off, um, which was left with my zombies, which... Normally, I wouldn't mind um, having them still hanging around, but with no hammers to sort of do the damage, uh, it ended up just being um, a whole heap of defense too in the last two turns. And uh, yeah, Ken just shot them off and was deleting a unit of uh, like a legion in the turn as well. So what that meant, uh, finished up there on a 19-2, a terrible loss to finish up, but it finished on 14th place. So the only thing that I do take away is I did play Adam Story, who finished second. I played Ken Ferris, that finished sixth, and Andrew Goodman, that finished seventh. So, um, yeah, playing some of those those top runners there was pretty unlucky, or did they just only end up there because they were playing me? I'm not sure. All right, and that's it. So I think my takeaways is that uh, dice suck, but the game's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kings of War, great game. Uh, great game. It wasn't this particular tournament was not really the format that that I prefer. 
and so I was happy to sort of participate and still get to hang out with the lads. Mm. But um, mm. seven games was a bit much for me, so I was kind of lucky to play a few less day two because it just made it a bit more of a casual, enjoyable experience for me personally, just, just mm. my take. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of the other guys really enjoyed the format and... Um, you know, it seemed to have a good time just catching up. It was just good vibes in general. I think um, Tracy uh, as smashing everyone didn't yep. didn't surprise anybody because you know he is the best Kings War player in the world. <laughs> so he uh, came first with 120 tournament points. Second was Adam on 95. So that's 90 quite a big beat second place by 25 points. Yeah. When does that ever happen? Especially in such a killer field. I think it was such a killer field. Um, maybe that's why second, third, fourth, fifth were so close. It was 95, 93, 89, 93. Not sure quite how. I that think it's the pay oh, points because that right. wasn't. I wasn't looking at the total, my mistake. So 127, 108, 107, 104, 102. So once again, Tracy just just belting the living daylights out of everyone. Mm. Uh, mm. But everybody else sort of being in this really close Pretty tight, compact yeah. from there. Yeah, which is what you normally expect from a from an event. But having that first place be out by such a country miles, just proof of any more <laughs> that was needed. That uh, he's the greatest player in the world. That's it. How about Andrew Whitehead, though, our number one fan here at Direct Misfire? Comes through with a couple of wins and finished fifth overall with his undead, which is uh, a great feat. I know that he'd sort of been down on his luck a little bit after CanCon. Um, so for him to sort of get up and get get fifth in this field, I was very impressed. Incredibly impressive result, especially given that he was one of Tracy's victims. Yes. Uh, Tracy did delete Andrew. Uh, and to hear Andrew tell it, Andrew outrolled him the whole game, just like almost like Tracy got like three or four double ones, and Andrew was just like rolling out off his guts. Like this isn't selling Andrew short. This is exactly how he told the story. Mm. Um, but then Tracy just won anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew won four out of his seven games, placed five, and then I came down. I would have won the counter charge award if counter charge sponsored the event. So I came thirteenth, right in the center by winning only three of my seven games. And then Selic was 14th, yep, yep. also winning four. So you could see just in how big the games were won between Andrew and Selic having won the same amount of games, but um, positions quite a bit different from five to 14. And me having lost four of my games and beat Selic in terms of the, uh, the, the placings. Yeah, yeah. despite the soft scores that presumably Selic pretty well with because his army's... Really beautiful and awesome. Yeah, he got he got max points for his painting. I got uh, fourteen out of the fifteen. But otherwise, I th- I think we had fun. Yeah, it was a great tournament. It's always a, a lot of fun. It was great to see people starting to travel again after COVID. So, yeah, very very chuffed with that. Nice one. But a pretty good showing from the Kings of War crew. Uh, obviously, you can't count me. I mean, I'm literally not counted. And Viv dropped day two because he was tired. Mm. Yeah, poor old Viv. Yeah, he's got a, a medical situation which dropped him out of day two. It wasn't because he partied the night away the, the no. night before. <laughs> um, he actually went home and went to bed at like eight o'clock. But um, unfortunately, poor old Vivi didn't make mm. it down day two. But he was he was doing well. And I think he would have been in contention no. for some juicy points if he'd managed to uh, to make it. He only won one of his games day one. Oh, my mistake. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought he'd done better than that. Okay. No. Fair enough. 
Yeah. So he was he was not doing too well, but uh, he he's a good player. I think he was probably yeah just having a bit of a struggle the whole weekend with his with his medical situation that really has nothing to do with Kings of War. That unfortunately some of us have just you know got life stuff in the way of uh, yeah. of competing. But mm. but yeah, I think he still had a good time the day that he was there, and he did feel really guilty not being able to turn up today too, which was unfortunate. Yep. But yeah. Um, Otherwise, know, shit happens. another successful convict for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, next year they reduce the amount of games. That would be fantastic. I would like that. But I don't think that's going to happen as long as AG Probably is, not. Uh, <laughs> it, um, and also, we I think just about everyone got a, a prize, so something to pick out of the 3D printed pile. Uh, so I've got something for yourself and I've got something for Viv as well. Just oh, two do? different kinds of giants, yeah. Really cool um, prize support. In general, mm. and the idea of like um, Jeff, I think it was Jeff, did a bunch of the printing, mm-hmm. uh, printed all these like cool little models out just as extra prizes and things on top of, because the vast majority of the entrance fee needed to go through to venue hire because they mm. weren't doing it in a game store, they're doing it in the bowls club, which is a really cool venue. It's great to have a bar available there and stuff like that. That was really really cool um so the fact that they still were able to put so many good prizes up was testament to them putting in a good effort mm. for the event and like yeah i thought um jeff and ag did a really good job of um of to in the event mm-hmm. yeah well done fellas looking forward to the next one so masters season's coming up with only a couple of months to go so if you're hoping to be in contention attend those tournaments. I think Moab's coming up shortly. There's another MikeCon coming up in another month or so. And I think that may be your last chances. But uh, attend the tournaments, play some games, have some fun, and I guess we'll call it there. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, get down, play tournaments, as as um, Benson said. Enjoy your cow like we do. And uh, have a good one. Keep cowing out there. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in with my team. Make sure you follow on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed, more than a game. It's a lifestyle, yes, sir. Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work. <laughs> we give the people what they desire. Australian war gaming podcast, direct misfire. You don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, we got plenty more. If you're ready, let's go. Stay tuned, that's for sure. Hey. But for realsies, though, how many of you champs noticed that Silic wasn't actually on the cast? That's the magic of editing.